Uh, thank you for your generosity last week uh, for the youth uh, soup fundraiser. Uh, Pastor Gary sent a message out, I know, it's over $350. So you guys are amazing, just uh, lots of love uh, there, so, uh, which is great. Well, I want to get straight into it. Uh, young people, I'll talk to you soon, so uh, stay tuned the whole time, but I've got something in particular I want to mention to you guys. Here's a question. If someone's asked you, what does a Christian look like? What does a Christian look like? How do you identify a Christian? By asking questions? Oh, I've already heard someone say the answer. Jesus addressed this. John 13, 34-35. Jesus said, a new command I give you. What's his new command? Is it read your Bible? Pray all day? No, but love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What does a Christian look like? Someone who loves. Someone who loves. I remember uh, at our previous church, a youth pastor uh, used to ring up his team while they're at work, mainly the blokes. They'd be on the tools or uh, in the shop working away, single blokes, and um, you know, in the midst of their colleagues, and you ring them up and you have a chat, just talk about some things for youth and all that. And the end of the conversation, this is the youth pastor talking to the young male bloke at the end around his uh, colleagues going, I love you. And, and so the person is going, yeah, thanks. <laughs> well, do you love me? Yeah, yeah. Well, can you tell me you love me? I love you. Yeah, thanks. Hangs up over here. All the mates go, Who, who's that? Is your girlfriend? No, I'm a youth pastor. I was at a, uh, a youth live conference, this would be around 20 years ago, and uh, just attending there, and uh, they uh, called the special night a love offering. We're going to have a love offering tonight. And uh, as we got to the night there, I think, I think it was Wayne Alcorn, Pastor Wayne Alcorn at the time, who was uh, involved with youth live uh, back then, he got up and he uh, addressed us and just say, hey, so apparently, uh, the, it was at a hotel, uh, apparently the, uh, the managers came and asked us to say, listen, what's, uh, what's happening tonight? Uh, you go, oh, well, we've got a meeting. Yeah, but is there anything happening in this meeting? Why, why, what, what's going on? He goes, well, there's a lot of our workers all requesting to be put on tonight. <laughs> and as the discussion unfolded, from the worldly perspective, they were listening to us talk about this love offering. <laughs> And so all these people that didn't understand what we know is a love offering were interpreting it from their perspective to go, what's this love offering mean? Is it something that uh, they want to be at and see what goes on? Incidentally, that is something that the early Christians in the first century were accused of because they talked about a love offering quite often. Love feasts was the word. And the people outside didn't understand what we understand as love. So I want to talk to you about love, the mark of a disciple. 
Uh, John, he wrote the gospel and the three letters, 1, 2, and 3, John. John is known as a disciple of love. And uh, love is a key theme in his gospel and in particular the first letter. Today we're going to journey through John's letter, a little sermon. Now traditionally it's been thought of uh, written to the uh, church in Ephesus. And uh, John uses the word many times. And this is where I'm going to talk to you, uh, young people and kids. Now, we will have some passages up on the screen, which you'll be able to see. Uh, But if you can tell me at the end how many times John uses the word love, I've got a little reward. So how many times does John use the word love in his first letter? John writes to encourage the believers, and it's only in the letter. Not when I say it, it's in the letter, so you'll see it up on the screen. He writes to uh, correct some teaching and how to practice. First uh, John was written to a context where there were some false teachers had risen up in the church, and uh, then they were told to leave. So John is writing to correct some of this false teaching, particularly about who Jesus is, and then how we, as followers of Jesus, should live particularly the first, uh, first Christians in this context. So let's begin. 1 John, chapter 2, we're going to start with. Where is the first mention of love? We know that we have come to you, come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Now in this section, John makes a connection between obedience and love. It is in obedience, God's love is truly made complete in you. John is repeating the lessons he learned from Jesus. Going back to John 15, where Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. John also connects love with life. You see a connection there regularly through this letter when he talks about love. He's also talking about how this is part of life, how this is true living. This is great living, to live a life of love. And to live a life of love is to follow the example of Jesus. Jesus lived a life of love. John understood this. Now to understand a little bit of the importance and significance of this, let's just have a little look about who John is. Now I've mentioned he's known now as the disciple of love. But let's go back to the beginning when John is introduced. In Mark chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, Uh, Mark tells us that James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, and they were given the names Boagonies, or however you say that, which means sons of thunder. Now, James and John, this is their name, sons of thunder, and their mother now is introduced uh, later on, coming to Jesus and saying to Jesus, Grant that one of these two sons of mine will sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your kingdom. Bit of, you know, pride and 
you know, look after these boys here. You know, they're, they're special boys. They're different. The sons of thunder. <laughs> thunder. I wonder if they were related to Thor. John is the guy with his brother again that Luke records that when Jesus came out of Samaria, these two boys, brothers, went to Jesus. Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy these people? This is John, sons of thunder. I love that. (laughs) He's, he's, He's just ready just to wipe everyone out. But what happened? That's where he started. But now we're reading his letter, we read his gospel, and this guy's talking about love. He's talking about that being the mark of us as believers. Something happened in his life. It's Jesus. And he chose to follow the example of Jesus. That made the difference in his life. He became known as the disciple of love. 1 John 2 verse 7. Dear friends... I've got in brackets there, beloved, I'm writing, I am not writing to you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is a message you have heard, yet I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. John reminds them of the origins of the command, the command to love. Now, the English translation doesn't help here, the NIV, and I've put that in brackets there, that when John is writing, Dear Friends, and he says this about six times, the word is actually beloved. He's referring to his fellow believers as beloved. They're his loved ones. So he's actually just referring to them in that loving language. The command to love goes right back, not to Jesus. It goes back to Leviticus. Leviticus 19, 18, do not seek revenge or bear, bear, bear a grudge against anyone among your, neighbor, uh, your, your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord, is what Leviticus says. Then when Jesus was being asked some questions about what is the greatest commandment, he says the most important one. Is hero Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. And then Jesus goes on to say, a new command I give you, which we read out earlier. A new command I give you. It's not a new car, it's an old commandment. But a new commandment I give you, love one another. There's something new about it. It's an old law, but there's something new. It's old which I think many have forgotten in first century and perhaps even today. And as we practice it today, it becomes new because no one else is doing it. It's a new command and an old command. Verse 9. Anyone who claims to be in the light hates, his, uh, hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and though there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates his brother and sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. 
Jesus also compares now love with light, walking in the light. To walk in the light is to walk in love. For John, these are very similar ideas. That The three, life, light, love, you see an interconnection in this letter. To walk in light is to love one another. To walk in darkness is to hate your brothers and sisters. 1 John 2 verse 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. The mark of the disciple is love. So now John just unpacks a little bit what love is not. He talks about not loving the things of the world. Because when he loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Then he expands, what what is this love of the world like? He gives three ideas connected with this love of the world. The lust of the flesh. Desiring after those sinful things, the things of the flesh. Paul unpacks this in Galatians, where he talks about the fruit, the, the works of the, the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, fractions and envy, junk, drunkenness, orgies and the like. We're not to lust after those things, not to desire those things. That's love for the world, not the love of God. The lust of the eyes, hint of greed, looking at things that I want that, I want that, I want those. Pride of life, boasting, boasting in our possessions, living in such a way that we puff ourselves up. Look what I have. Look at this. Aren't I great? You're nothing. I am the greatest. John's warning this to the believers in the first century and a warning for us as well. This is not the love that God is talking about when he talks about this is the mark of the disciple. Love can be so confusing in our world. The word love, which overlaps with these ideas, we can see it in the way we even use our language. I love Snickers. I don't know if you noticed here, but uh, my, my, my daughter already gave me the Snickers bar, so I was stoked. <laughs> Must be because I helped her. <laughs> we love football. We use the word love. We love football. I love the Avengers. What does that mean? I love your shoes. Yeah, it's maybe more the ladies say things like that. Yeah. yeah, I love your shoes. And we were talking about love here in the scripture, yet we say things like this. We love sport. We love shoes. I love myself. Maybe we don't say that, but how many of you have taken three or four selfie shots before you posted the right one on Instagram? <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm not talking to myself. 
That's not the love that John is talking about. That's not the love of God. Real love is different. It's an age-old new idea. Let's keep going through 1 John chapter 3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. Isn't that great? And that we are his children. Dear friends, beloved, now we are his children, and what we will be has not yet been made known uh, to us. It's we are now, but we're also going to be in the future when he returns. Love is what bonds us together as the children of God. See, he is a good, good father. And you, I, are loved by him. It's who you are. It's who I am. It's who we are. Yeah, I got that song from somewhere. John continues the theme of being a child of God. In verse 10, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Children of God, which we are, are those that love their brother and sister. Love their neighbor. This is how they will know, those outside, this is how they will know that we are his disciples when we love our brothers and sisters. Verse 11 of chapter 3. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belongs to the evil one. And murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Again, John instructs the importance about loving one another, loving our brothers and sisters. And he's not finished yet too. We're still getting through one John. He makes a connection between life and love, drawing the connection there, that to live outside of love is actually to live in death. You want to live in life, live in eternal life, everlasting life that is to the fullest. We love our brothers and sisters. That's the love he's talking about. He presents Cain as the, I guess, the anti-example who murdered his very own brother. For Cain, perhaps the love of the world more evident in his life than true love of God, which was to love his brother. So what is love? In verse 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, 
And we ought to lay down our lives for others, brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother and sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. We know what love is because Christ laid down his life for us. And that is love. Laying down our lives for others. So what does it look like to lay down our lives? Now, we don't physically go out and give our lives to the point of death. Now, maybe some do that, and we can see stories and hear stories of that around the world. But here in Australia, at this present time, that's very unlikely. So what does it look like? Well, verse 17 gives us some examples of what that practically looks like for us as brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words and speech, but with actions and in truth. This is down-to-earth instruction. This is making it real. This is what love is. It's not some airy-fairy ethical ideal up there. Yeah, we can say, I love you. It's, all, it's easy to say that. But what does it look like? What's it look like on the ground? Well, if we have material possessions. We all have material possessions. And if we see someone in need, it's been able to give to those in need. Whether it be through Samaritan purse, those boxes, what a great opportunity. Money. We can give of our money to those that are in need. Missions. To family here in this church who have gone overseas to study. And last week we heard a great story about that. And how the church here has been supporting them and can continue to support. And we're going to hear about Jo too, some of her stories too. The church is support. We have loved them. And perhaps there's more love needed. Donations to youth ministry. Well, no, I'm thanking you for last week. But I don't want to write off the future, yeah. Hey, food. Yeah, providing meals. Inviting people into our home. We can, we can give of those things. Material things, clothes, bikes, shoes, jackets, cars. I remember actually, I mean, it wasn't worth a lot, but um, I gave away my first car. So, I mean, don't, you know, it was, it was a Datsun 1200, so it wasn't worth heaps. <laughs> but it went, it was consistent, it looked great, it was bright yellow. Really, oh, I loved the light. Because um, it was so light, and listen, I did nothing to the engine. Uh, it was a 1200, just standard stock 1200 coupe. So it was real light. Like, my dad and I could lift the back up and move it. Like, that's how light it was. And so I could take off pretty quick. And so, you know, my, my goal, it still is a little bit of a goal now, that um, I just got to beat the other car to the end of the traffic lights. Um, yeah, so just as long as I beat into the other end of the traffic lights, I'm, I'm happy. 
So I would take off pretty quick at corners. And now one time I was pulling out of church and took off real quick and came around on the main road. This is back when I was younger. And then all of a sudden, woo, 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 pull me over. And I go, all right, yeah, sir, there's the light there. Okay, can you just uh, pop your bonnet? And I go, yeah, no worries. So I go and pop it up. And you could see like, everyone's, the, the few of the cops all got out. They're coming around because it's bright, really nice yellow-looking Datsun 1200 Coupe. Pop the bonnet and they, uh, you kind of see this. It, this oh. it was just stock standard. There was nothing interesting in that engine at all. <laughs> but a missionary kid had come back to Australia to study. Had no money. Parents were on the field, so they, they were just living by faith themselves. And God had blessed me with a job at this time. I'd gone through uni, now was working as a school teacher, had the opportunity to, to get a new car. And I'm going, well, you know what? I can give my car to this new missionary kid. And so I was able to bless this kid. And I was pretty stoked about that. Um, material things. Time. We can lay down our lives by giving time. Asking an important question that we heard last week. Are you okay? Helping someone with the gardening. Again, living in Sydney, I used to help with our neighbours by mowing his lawn. I don't really want to do that here because we have two acres and that's the smallest block in our neighbourhood. So... I'm not really offering with my neighbours now, um, but it was a very small section. He was an elderly gentleman, a grandfather and single, and um, was starting to go blind, so he couldn't do stuff, so I'd mow the lawns uh, for him. It wasn't much, um, but I was so thankful when he decided to get uh, you know, fake lawn down. That was his goal. Yeah, that's awesome. But we can give of our time. There's so many things we can do to lay down our lives down from a practical sense it's not physically giving our life to death, but things we can do to show our love in laying down our lives. I'm putting aside my agenda, putting aside my desires, my lust is to let love come through in this situation. That's how they will know we are their disciples. Because love is a serious word. I think it's time that you learned. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you've heard. The word love, love. Love is a verb. Down with the DC talk. <laughs> Bring back some memories there. Actually, I watched, um, uh, watched Forrest Gump last night, and just as, uh, I'm finishing off some m- m- messages for this, and he just said this one, one thing that came through. As he's talking to Jenny, and he goes, you know, I may not be a smart man, but I know what love is. And you know what? That's, what a profound statement. It's not about knowing the philosophical, ethical understanding of what this idea love is, but I know what love is. Love is seeing others in need. And being there, doing what we can, being in each other's lives, that's love. Verse 21, dear friends, beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have uh, have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the, Son, in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he has commanded us. 
The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. John refers to the command again. He talks about believing in Jesus, again, addressing this idea of who Jesus is, this false teaching that he needed to address in the church. But it's connected, right belief in who Jesus is, is connected to how we love one another. And the person who loves is the person who lives. And how do we know this? How do we know this and how do we live it? Because he gave us the Spirit. The Spirit empowers us to love. You know, to be honest, there are times. There are times where I meet someone or I get to know someone, I say, I can't love that person. Now, I don't tell them that. You know, I'm not alone in this. We all know that person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a few people there. Yeah, you're thinking, yeah, Dean's that person. <laughs> but here's the thing. God has given us his spirit, right. which means you can. Yeah. I can. Yeah. He has given us his spirit. God has not left us alone. He gave us his spirit. The Spirit of God is with us, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of love. The Spirit gives us power to be his witnesses. We know what Luke writes in Acts. The Spirit comes to empower us to be his witness. How are we his witnesses? Yes, we proclaim, we do all that. But now let's read this in connection with John. How do we be his witnesses? You will be my witnesses when you love one another. How can we love? How are we able to love? How are we empowered to love? Because he's given us his spirit. His spirit is in us. We're able to love. If you're lacking some love, I want to suggest you, you need to get some more spirit. Holy spirit. <laughs> Just better clarify that spirit there. Holy spirit. 1 John 4. Dear friends, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. John instructs the beloved, those that he loves, to test the spirits. He's making connection between the loving community and right teaching. We need to test it. Know that right teaching is, and in particular, this right teaching is declaring who Jesus is in this situation, knowing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came down, lived amongst us, 100% God, 100% man, physically died on the cross, but rose again on the third day, now seated in heaven with God the Father. That's who Jesus is. And in the right teaching of Jesus, and if we follow his example, we love one another. We love one another. Verse 7. Dear friends, beloved, 
Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, beloved, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Did you get all that? Dear friends, beloved, love one another. Those who love God are God's children. They know God. Whoever does not love God does not know God. Why? Because God is love. He is love. It is his very essence. That's why we can't make love. Because God is love. Just a phrase that the world loves to throw around. His very essence is love. And we, as his image, reflect that essence. It is part of who we are as the very image of God. And God demonstrates that through his son, Jesus. Jesus, who embodied love, left everything that was, he had in glory, came down to live amongst us, dying on the cross. So what is love? Well, love's all, John's already spoken about it. He's spoken about what it's not. But he's also saying here that this is love, that he loved us. Love originates with God because he is love. We could therefore say love was in the beginning and love will be there at the end. But second... We know what love is or what this love is because Jesus gave his life for us. That famous passage in John 3.16. For God so loved the world. That's how we know love. That's what love is. Again, John repeats the story of Jesus, the Son of God, giving him as an example of the essence of God as love. An example of love. An example of life. So, beloved, since we know this love, let us love like God. This is why we lay down our lives for others. And in doing so, God's love is made complete in us. Verse 13, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us, uh, he has given us of his spirit. Again, connecting the idea that his spirit is in us and enabling us, empowering us to love. Verse 14. And we have seen and testified the Father has sent this Son to be the Savior of the world. So no one acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God. God lives in them and they in God. John connects the idea of testifying of Jesus as God's Son with life, living in love, connected to right teaching. Verse 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, that 
we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. We need God's love. We need to love God. And we can do it because he's given us his spirit. The spirit empowers us to be his witnesses. And how do people see us as witnesses of Christ? How do they see us as disciples? By loving each other. The Spirit empowers us. He, how does love outwork in our lives? We do it by following Jesus. We follow the life of Jesus. As we've read in the Gospels what Jesus did, as we follow his example, love comes through. Verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear. In this context, we're talking about punishment. When we're in God's love, we don't have to fear death and punishment. One who fears is not made perfect in love. Because in God's love, there is no fear. I don't have to fear hell. Because I know God's love. Verse 19. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God but hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he's given, this, he, uh, given us this command. Anyone who loves God must love their brother and sister. He's repeating a lot of stuff here. I think it's important to John. It's important that we love one another. And we can do it, we can love because God has given us his spirit and because he first loved us. John goes on to say that if we claim to love God yet hate our brother and sister, we are liars. To love God is to love others. The two go together. You can't separate those. He drives home the point in saying, if you can't love those you see, if we can't love each other we see, how can we love him we can't see? The command has been declared. Anyone who loves God must love their brother and sister. The last section in chapter 5. You've done well, thanks, as we've gone through. You want John Musos, you'd like to come up. Everyone who believes that Jesus Christ is born of God and everyone who loves the father loves this child, his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is that? Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Here's an important point about the mark of disciple. Whoever loves the Father also loves the Son. John joins these keys points together. The divinity of Christ with love. Who Jesus is, right teaching, and our practice of love. The two loves are inseparable. You love God, you love others. You can't separate them. They're together. 
It's not too burdensome as well. It's not hard. Reflects the teaching in Deuteronomy. Choose life and death. I haven't made this too hard for you. You can choose life. And it's not too hard because he's given us his spirit. We can do this. Command to love. Love. That's the mark of disciple. Love is our distinguishing feature. Someone should be able to see us and look and go, wow, there's something about you guys. One time I was playing indoor soccer with some colleagues at college and we had an interesting competition with one team and it was a grand final and so a little bit heated in the competitors coming out. The other team won. But I'll never forget what he said. He got to the end, he was just giving a little talk at the end and just saying and uh, talking about us. And we were uh, all college students. Um, I think we modelled it all right for the college and for Jesus. Because um, this is what he said at the end. And, uh, and, and during it, there was you know, all the language you could hear typical at, from a you know, sporting event that displayed by the other team. And he just said this few little things at the end. As he's just giving a speech, he just says, I just want to thank the other team that... I just felt there was so much love in the other team. Yeah, this was, just, this was just playing an indoor comp of competitive indoor soccer. That was his comment on us. I'm going, you know what? I was pretty proud of our team. to go on. he could see that we were his disciples. He could see. This is how they will know. Those outside the church, those that don't know Christ, this is how they will know we are his disciples if we love one another. Starts here. Starts here. We need to love one another here. And we're capable of doing it. We're able to do it. We're empowered to do it because he first loved us and he's given us his spirit. You know, listen, we're going to close now. The altar, you know, is always open. And maybe you need a fresh touch of God's love. And... Uh, there's people here who will pray with you. But, but here's my challenge for you. Rather than necessarily an altar call, and I said, please, we, we, we encourage people, if you need to come forward, to come forward. But here's the challenge. How are we going to love today? How are we going to love this week? How are you going to love this year? There's the challenge. Lord, I thank you that you love us. And it's because of your love that we know love and we can love. And I pray, Lord, that Infuse Church, that, that your church around this nation, around the world, will be known as a place where people love. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us as we leave today and go out that people would see us by that mark, the mark of Jesus in us as people of love. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you.